Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Next on the Platform podcast. Each week, I'm joined by an up-and-coming lifter to talk all things powerlifting. I want to quickly let you guys know about my coaching. I do some online beginner-to-intermediate-level coaching. If you're interested, it is in the bio of my personal account. You're listening to Next on the Platform. Enjoy. The truth. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 19 of Next on the Platform. This week, we are on with Amanda Pearl. Uh, I got onto Amanda because after I had Michael on for an episode, he told me that he was coaching a few girls and then I ended up running into Amanda on Instagram. So uh, I'm having Amanda on this week to talk about all things powerlifting as usual. How are you today, Amanda? I'm great. How are you? Good, thanks. And I'll let you introduce yourself for everybody who doesn't know you. Yeah, so I'm Amanda Heath. I'm 22 years old. I compete within the USAPL as a 63 kilo junior. Um, I first started powerlifting in August of 2018. Um, My first meet was February of 2019. I believe I've done four meets total since then. My most recent one being just a few weeks ago. And I'm coached by Michael, who you just had on. Awesome. And I think I said your last name wrong. I I must've got it off Instagram as the wrong last name. So my apologies there. Oh, Um, Pearl is my middle name. So it's fine. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, So one of the things I've always wondered about, um, obviously the women's side of powerlifting is getting into it. I can assume because of some of the stigma and the false information there is that there's kind of this idea that girls will get too muscly or they're kind of intimidated by strength sports. Because if you look at someone like Dan Bell and those sort of guys, it's scary. Those are big, scary guys. So I want to know like that aspect for you, is that sort of what you initially thought when you got into it? Yeah, so I initially got into powerlifting um, just because my coach at the time really wanted me to try it. And I was in competitive cheer first um, and came into powerlifting a little bit scrawny, like a string bean. So the goal initially was to put on muscle mass. um, And my first couple blocks were, you know, volume focused hypertrophy. So the goal was to get more muscly, right? Um, So it never really crossed my mind that, oh, I don't want to get too big or too bulky. because that was like, I was tunnel vision on that. Um, and yeah. So your coach at the time, was that just like a general, like gym coach sort of thing? Or was it for a sport? Um, that was just general. Um, he was into it and wanted me to try it. And I did, and I kind of hated it at first. And once cheer ended, I really grew to like it. Um, Mm. And and do you sort of find that like you have a hard time encouraging other girls to get into it and that sort of thing? Because like um, I really don't know that many, like when it comes down to it, I really don't know that many girls at Palif, especially in Australia. Yeah, so um, my school, I went to University of Colorado Boulder and I joined the um, powerlifting club there and I took on a role, not an official role, but um to encourage more people and specifically females to join the club. Um, So I wanted to be present at all of the meetings, all of the um, like fairs and stuff to show girls that, hey, like someone like them is a part of this and can do it and really enjoys it. Um, So through the club, I was able to convince a couple girls to join and get started. And they were brand new, like hadn't touched a barbell before um, and they, stuck with it through most of the um, school year and a couple of them ended up competing and really loved it. So um, yeah, I, yeah, it's been, it's been nice encouraging other girls who never thought, you know, they would step foot in the gym to get under a barbell. What sort of response did you get from them? Cause I can imagine there would be like, they would be pretty iffy about, cause you know, if I know if I tried to encourage some of the girls that I know, because most of them just go to the gym just generally um, mm-hmm. a few days a week. If I tried to encourage them to, you know, start lifting heavy and that sort of thing, they would be like, no way. Is there sort of like a resistance yeah. at first to that sort of thing? Um, Honestly, not really. Like all of the girls for the most part were really open um, to learning and they weren't lifting super heavy at first because they were just trying to get a feel for things. Um, but in the end, I think they really liked seeing the progress and, you know, adding a little bit more weight each week. And um, I'm not actually entirely sure why any of them chose to, you know, show interest in the club, um, because a lot of them, I don't think really got in the gym 
much at all before that. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's important and like, and obviously like there's this whole another side of the sport that, you know, we could grow and getting more and more girls into it. But I think it's like, um, because powerlifting is quite a meathead sport, quote unquote, it can, and I assume can be scary because um, some of the, you know, the big super heavyweights and, and that sort of thing. I was just on Instagram just then looking at a guy. I don't know if you know him. His handle is uh, Papa Bear Rogers. He's this giant dude, full head to toe tattoos. He's probably a lovely dude, but like it's terrifying. Um, yeah. And I was, you know, I love the idea of having it in uh, colleges and stuff. I, I'm going to try to get some in, in a club going at my university just because we don't have anything like that in Australia um, and try to encourage more get in, girls to get into it because you actually tend to notice like um, there aren't, like you have to really try to be muscly. Like if, you know, you're not going to accidentally look like Steffi Cohen. Yeah. Um, you're not going to yeah, just. I've been one... trying for years and I'm still a string bean. So. Yeah. So, like, you won't wake up one day and look like Steffi Cohen or, you know, uh, any of those girls. What was the, What's the name of the girl who competed um, at the Kern Open who squatted like 300 kilos? Hunter Henderson. Hunter. Yeah. Like, you're not just going to wake yeah. up one day and, and, and look like that. So, it's like. Right. You know, and, and most of the time, the girls that do get into powerlifting, they'll probably see the results they wanted when they were trying to, um, you know, just do like a bodybuilding style training. I think like, um, you know, it's, it's similar training, except you just do some heavy lifting, which as everybody knows, can obviously help you with body composition and stuff. Um, you competed in March, is that correct? Yeah. So how was that? Cause I know, and Michael told me a couple of things and he ran me through what sort of happened. Um, so how was the meet and, and I want to know about prepping that infamous SBD day yeah um so prep leading up to it besides that day and maybe you know like two weeks prior was going so smoothly and um really set me up for a great day and overall i did have a great day the meet was ran super smoothly um you know there were a couple things i wish would have went differently but you know you can only control what you can control and given those circumstances. I had a really great time and, you know, hit huge PRs on all of my openers. Um, so the day was set to just be a great day in general. Mm. So, so you hit PRs on your openers, which is obviously sick. So there must've been a yeah. little bit of a time period between the comp and the previous one. Is that how that happened? Yeah. Uh, over a year, I think my last competition was November of 2019. Mm. And, um, and how come, what was the decision? Because I know like, uh, it can be tough with obviously like weight cuts and stuff. And I don't personally know, but I know of people who, um, like it's quite mentally challenging, uh, and obviously prep is very physically draining. So how come you held off for so long? Well, I qualified at that meet in November. I qualified for collegiate nationals, which would have been that spring. Um, and that got canceled because of COVID. Mm. Um, and so I finished my prep for that, sort of. Um, I kind of peaked in the home gym um, and that didn't really go well, um, but um, I was supposed to compete in April of 2020 and that didn't happen. So we took the off season because we didn't know when meets were gonna you know, happen again. So we just took the nice long off season um, and waited until everything was gonna be official i didn't want to sign up for anything that may have gotten canceled again so yeah. out of my control yeah i um i was actually prepping about the same time that you just spoke about for a comp and it got uh canceled it was devastating i know there was heaps yeah. of people who had meets coming up and and yeah um you go through the whole prep and you just want to you just want to compete so bad and then mm -hmm. it just ended up getting canceled and i did a mock meet as well um so a year between comps and um mm -hmm. how so how was prep uh, because I know you had a little, a couple of hurdles here and there. Um, yeah. I mean, the beginning of prep went beautifully. I'd say like I was progressing technique was getting locked in. Um, you know, Michael had a really great plan for me to peak me. Um, he was a little bit, and this was my first meet with Michael. Um, so that threw in a couple factors too of, you know, variability. Um, so he didn't quite know what to do with my squat. So we just kind of rolled with what we had been doing the past couple of months or weeks. Um, and then bench was going so well. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna hit, you know, like 80 kilos in comp, which, 
you know, my previous best was 67 and a half. And um, I had these like huge numbers in my head and bench peaked during prep and then just fell off completely like two weeks uh, before the meet. And I failed weights that I had taken a thousand times at like RPE six. I just straight up failed them. Um, Mm. So that, that hurt um, and shook my confidence a little bit and deadlift deadlift just peaked beautifully into the meat. Um, I had like one week deadlift day, which was that SBD day. Um, but you know, other than that prep went pretty, pretty smoothly, pretty smoothly. And, um, so obviously like first time with a coach, uh, and how long before the prep did you start with Michael? I believe we started in July of last year. So we've been um, working together for almost a year now. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, um, first, first peak, couple months. first peak with a coach is obviously going to be most likely your worst one because they're obviously, you know, learning about uh, right. your body peaks and that sort of thing. So I can imagine, uh, cause even when things were going well for me and my prep, I was mentally all over the place. So I can imagine there's a little bit of anxiety when, uh, your bench starts to drop off. What, what did you sort of plan to do when, uh, you know, you're preparing for comp mentally and ben- bench starts to drop off. So what's the process to sort of calm yourself down and try to work around that? Um, so Michael stayed really calm. Like he never was like, oh my God, like bench is, you know, falling off. Um, so that helped a lot because I'm crazy um, when it comes to stuff like that. Um, so he never, he never made it seem like a big deal. So we basically just rolled with it. Um, everything is RPE based within a range of weights. So I basically just took what I could that day and just ran with that. Um, there was not much we could do at that point. Um, to like reverse that. So, um, and honestly, until I didn't even realize that's what was happening until after the meet, like, I didn't realize, you know, we peaked early, um, until afterwards I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. So I didn't really, it didn't really mess with me mentally too much. I was just kind of bummed that bench wasn't still skyrocketing the way it was the weeks prior. And so you mentioned that you do uh, RPEs within a range. Now I'm a lifter that tends to take the top of the range when given the opportunity, um, just because it's tempting, obviously. Um, so when, cause I want to know, cause I haven't done much work in that style. When you're given a range and you're given an RPE, do you get attached to the numbers beforehand? Because I was given a range once a 10 kilo range, uh, with a specific RPE that my coach wanted. And I took the top of the range and overshot it. And it was my one overshoot during prep. So um, do you get a little attached to them when you look at the program? Do you go, okay, this is the range. This is the number. I want that one. And then you go to the gym. Yeah. So it's actually funny how that's been working out. Cause right now we're in the off season. Right. And I still have the range in the RPE. And right now I'm, very much so sticking to the low end of the range because I don't want to do the high end of the range when it comes down to tempo eights on squat, you know? So, but then when prep started um, and Michael was pushing me, I wasn't used to being pushed as hard as he pushes me. And obviously it's within a range. He's not doing anything that's going to kill me, but um, I would choose the lower end or maybe the mid range um and i'd send him the video and he'd be like no like go up um because that's not that's not what we're going for and be like okay so i kind of had to get used to pushing myself a little bit more um when the top end was there and then as prep went on and we started hitting singles and you know bigger numbers i absolutely got attached to the bigger numbers and the prs um where i would a week ahead of time be like, Oh, I got a big squat single on Saturday. Like that's what I'm going to hit and nothing's going to stop me. I don't care if it's overshot. Like that's what I want to hit. And then it wouldn't be there. And I'd be like, damn, you know? Yeah. So I tend to like, cause I'm exactly the same as that. I will get really attached to a number or a set or something like that. And so at this point, 
I try to not look at the program. Like I look at it when I get it on Sunday and then I don't look at it again. So like I'll only look at Monday. I don't look ahead because, you know, I, I got at the end of this week, I think I have singles. I'm not sure what RPE. So I don't want to get too caught up on, um, you know, because then I start thinking about it too much. And, and then, of course, like you said, you can get easily disappointed. Um, and there's that huge mental side of it. Uh, I yeah I took like I said the top end and overshot overshot heaps so I don't think my coach is going to give me a range again to be honest yeah I I, I wouldn't give it to me if I was him um, yeah, did you say Michael gives you tempo eights that's what I had today after a whole bunch of accessories after accessories blast. that's cruel yeah. um, okay well, well we'll jump into that after the accessories <laughs> I, I we we got off track I want to know more about uh, the meat sorry because we got to prep and then we just and then i whatever yep. derailed it so um how was how was the last few weeks of prep uh and i want to know what this hurdle was with the sbd day yeah so i guess i'll start there um so i went into so my saturdays were set up to be you know pretty close to what the meat was going to look like so singles on all of my lifts um and then you know some back off volume um, and I was totally confident in that Saturday. It was just like any other Saturday. Um, I think I was supposed to hit a, supposed to hit, this was my top, um, top end of the range. So I was supposed to hit 308, um, for squat, which would have been a huge PR. My best in the gym was 303 at the time. And I knew I could do it. Um, and I was warming up and 286, 130 was supposed to be my opener. And I took that, no spots and failed it. <laughs> and was just sitting in the hole and was like, someone come rescue me. Like, this is really embarrassing. Um, you know, a weight I've taken a thousand times before. And that shook me. Like in that moment, I was like, oh, it's gonna be a day. Hmm. And um, I, kind of shook myself out from that. And I was also having some issues with um, my lever belt. So I was cutting weight and I was kind of in between um, a notch on my lever belt. And one notch was like way too loose and the other one, like I couldn't latch. And so Michael had, um, what is it? The pioneer belt that has like the smaller increments. I think so. So yeah. after, yeah. So after um, that, 286 I we were like you know messing around trying to switch the levers which you know you're in a different headspace then and it was just chaotic from there and took 86 again moved like it should have um and then took 297 and that was I called it RPE 10 and wow. I was like no I was like no because I was supposed to hit 308 and I was tied to this number and you know, that's what I was thinking about for the last week. Um, so I was really bummed about that. And I had taken 297 the week prior, like way easier. So I was like, what's happening? Like, this is so, this is so terrible. And um, which it wasn't really terrible. Right. And, um, and then I moved on, kind of cleared my head for bench and took so Michael was there I asked him to be there so he could give me commands which I hadn't practiced taking yet um but I had been pausing like with respectful pauses um throughout prep so I wasn't really worried about it um but I took 70 kilos and I'm gonna switch to kilos now because I can't do pound yeah, math thank you bench. I can't do pound um <laughs> and um that went fine and we jumped to 75 and failed it, which I've taken 75 a thousand times at RP6 and failed that. I was like, okay, whatever, shake it off. Let's take it again. Failed it again. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is so tragic. And then at that point I was just mad. Mm. Um, yeah, I can and, imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I would have gone home. I would have been like, no, I'm going home. I was thinking about it. Like I went and sat in the lobby and I was like, I need to get my head straight. Like, this is just like the worst lift I've ever had. And, um, and that wasn't even the top end of the range. I think that like the top end of my range for bench that day was like 80 kilos. So I was like, geez, this is so bad. Um, and then 
tried to shake that off for deadlifts, um, didn't do a very good job. And I was warming up and I, for like my last three warmups, I went to pull it and couldn't get it off the ground and then took a step back, went back to it and then got it. And I did that for my last three warmups, which was really frustrating. Um, so not that I failed it. I just mentally maybe wasn't trying hard enough or whatever. Um, and then I finally pulled the low end of my range for that day without a second attempt. Um, and then I was like, I'm just going home after that. So that was, that was brutal. That sounds like <laughs> a giant hurdle. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, oh, um, am I the only one that doesn't try like now I, it's hard to explain when I'm warming up, I'll do like, you know, a weight that I've done it. Like you said, a thousand times mm -hmm. and I try to like, it's hard to explain. I think I put in less effort than I should because I know it's an easy weight and then it yeah. feels heavier because I yeah. didn't put enough effort in. Is that yeah. kind of the thing? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll do and like, I think that's what happened with my, um, warm up squat at one thirty. I was like, ah, I got it. Just, you know, go down and come back up. And I just didn't come back up. Yeah. So I think it knocks you around a little bit. Like, um, let's say like a four plate deadlift, right? I'll do it. Mm -hmm. I've done it, you know, heaps of times as a warm up, and it feels heavier than it should. And I like, it throws mm -hmm. me around a bit. Cause I, mm -hmm. I don't put in as much effort as I should just cause I know it's super easy. So like since then, and I realized this during my last prep and I try to like move everything as fast as I can. You know, regardless of the, you know, within reason, but um, yeah. regardless of the weight and that sort of thing. So did you, um, so you mentioned at the start, I didn't want to interrupt you, interrupt you but you said you sat, so in the, sat in the bottom of your squat. Were you squatting without spotters and without safeties um, and yep. it pins you? So yep. you can, so if, yeah, it pins you in the bottom of the squat and you're just sitting there waiting. Um, yep. You didn't want to dump it or you couldn't or what? Was the... Well, I was, I knew there were, there were people at the gym, um, and everyone always kind of keeps an eye on each other. Um, but I've never squatted with the safeties up because I hit the safeties even when they're not up. Um, oh, right. a lot of the time. So I just, I don't bother with the safeties. And if I need, if I'm hitting a weight, I need a spot for, I'll get a spot. And I was just so far from the ground and I was using kilos and I didn't want to be a jerk and like throw the kilos back. And it was just, it was a light enough weight where I was like comfortable just hanging out there. Um, it didn't hurt or anything. And I would have had to like throw the bar over my head to get it into the safeties. And, you know, I saw people running, so it was, it was fine. So this, how long, how long were you down there? Cause like, I would just immediately fall over. I like, yeah, maybe, I maybe like, 30 seconds, 20 seconds. That's, still a, bad. Long, that's a long time. Like it sounds, it doesn't sound like that much, but if you did a 30 second, which it would have been a 30 second pause squat, that would be, that would be crazy. Um, so you, you know, pretty bad SBD day from the sounds of it. Um, what do you think caused all of that? I couldn't even tell you. Um, I was well-fed, well-rested, confident. Um, I had my coach there. Um, I, I was on my favorite rack, like everything added up to be a decent day. I, I don't know. I really couldn't even tell you. Do you think maybe you got in your own head a little bit too much? Like we spoke about sort of looking ahead at the program and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible that I just got too attached to the numbers and should have rather accepted that I'm going to be fatigued and just take what's there. Um, but I hyped it up to be like, Oh, this is going to be my best day. And it just wasn't. So I think a switch of mindset to just understand like how my body's feeling um, and just taking what it can for the day that close to the meat um, would have been better. Um, so. I think one of the, I think I'm going to start doing this as well as like, not getting too attached to numbers, especially during prep, because I'll start prep and I'm like, okay, these are the first singles. This is what I want to hit in comp. And like, I was lucky enough that I, you know, did hit what I wanted, but there's going to, it's not going to happen every time. And I think um, I'll probably just start 
you know, going week by week rather than looking ahead at the end of the block. Because, like, yeah, of course, it's great to have goals, but, like, um, it's going to affect quite a few people if you get a little bit too attached and, like, I certainly have and I know other people that I train around that have gotten a little bit too attached and then when if they, you know, don't get it or they miss it in prep or, you know, have, like, a bad SPD day, like you said, it can throw you around heaps. Um, and I'm going to try to start which is hard because like I'm an emotional lifter and I get attached to stuff. <laughs> so it's very hard to not, um, you know, think a lot about numbers and stuff. Um, yeah, what body weight? What happened, you... like what's oh, more, you, you imp- sorry, what's yeah, more go, important during prep um, is to build confidence mm. um, and whatever numbers you need to do or need to hit to build that confidence is what you should hit. And that's not always necessarily going to be the biggest number. Um, you know, like I'll like today, for example, I know I'm not in prep, but I hit a really stable and strong set of seven on mid grip Larson for bench. And I was like, yeah, like that really builds my confidence for my comp, um, doubles on Saturday. Cause I'm like, if I can do that and keep it stable, like that's great. So, you know, if you need to undershoot a little bit to, you know, have confidence going into the next week, or if you need to hit that big number um, on the top end of your range to say, yeah, I can do this. You know, I think that's more important than just going all out whenever you can. And I, yeah, I think I, I really like that idea. I think um, you got to like, although you're, you know, you got to think about the session. It's also important to look at like the week ahead. Cause if you have low range this week and higher range next week, it might be, you know, ideal to just be as conservative as possible and then next week go all out and like because then you've earned it because you've had like an easier week or whatever um i think people get a little bit too attached to um week to week sessions and not really thinking about the big picture type of stuff um sorry did you answer oh no i didn't ask um what body weight did you compete at i weighed in at 57.4 which put me in the 63 kilo weight class so was that a conscientious choice? Like what was the plan uh, for weigh-ins? The plan, yeah, the plan was to compete as a 57. Um, And I, so I had weighed in at 57 around this time last year. Hmm. And I was maintaining around 60 kilos um, prior to that. For since I started competing, I maintained around 60 kilos, was weighing in at 60 kilos and competing as a 63. And I just during quarantine was like, what else is there to do? Let's just try to cut just for fun. And I hit 57 and I was like, all right, that's it. Like, I'm going to cut down a weight class, see if I can do it, see what um, kind of numbers I can hit. Um, Got in the mindset that I'd be more competitive if I competed as a 57 and pretty much cut for a whole year, which I wouldn't recommend doing. That was awful. Um, And basically, I guess I just put on enough muscle during that time to make it really difficult to get down to that 57 um, mark. And, but I didn't want to water cut. Like, I'm sure I could have hit it if I water cut, but I was like, I'm already at a disadvantage. Like, competing at a lower body weight than I probably should be. Um, so we chose to do a gut cut, um, which was going well. Um, I kept weighing in lower each night. And then um, I guess I just didn't really account for the fact that I had to get up at four in the morning um, when I had been waking up at nine, 10 o'clock um, and just didn't, just didn't make weight. So that's a bit of a, so another mental hurdle, obviously yeah. um, things aren't stacking up fantastic. So yeah, didn't make weight. So you just competed um, up. Uh, yeah. What are your findings with cutting weight with females? Um, Cause I know things can be slightly more difficult. Uh, what, what have you found? Um, in terms of, competing or just generally cutting, but yeah, also competing after like with a cut. Yeah. So cutting is a lot of people have said it already, but I don't think it's 
worth it to cut unless you're going for a national title or a record or something like that because after my meet honestly after weighing in first thing when I woke up when I just knew I wasn't going to make weight I was like man like I could have been eating good into this meat and probably hit some bigger numbers. Um, so it's just not, and then I was restricting myself from eating the things I wanted to eat from, you know, eating past a certain time because I was hoping to weigh in lighter in the mornings. Um, just a lot of things that made prep not so fun. Um, in regards to food, because I love food and I love eating and I love eating a lot. And I couldn't do that. And I knew training days went better when I ate more the day before. And it's just, it's so much more satisfying to hit those numbers knowing that you, you know, eat, ate well uh, the day before. And um, it just, it's, it's not to your benefit to cut unless it's for a much greater goal i think <laughs> yeah and i think my viewers have heard me say plenty of times like um exactly what you just said uh, i don't really think there's a need to cut to any like great degree um unless you are like you said going for a you know national i guess to some people's state records or something that they would cut for um but now, actually, now that I think about it, in Australia, state records are different to America because you guys have 50, how many, 51 states? 52, 50, 50? 50? Oh, I hope um, we have 50 states. Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking of that Friends episode where they count the states. Um, but in Australia, we have like, and now I don't even know, six or some shit like, you know, so we don't have that many states. So state records are um, more impressive here. I guess you could say there's less states. Um, so, yeah, and, and I guess national records... You know, I, 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 I do always say like, don't cut unless you're going to potentially place because I don't, I mean, people do have goals that they want to achieve and those people probably disagree with me. They want to achieve something at a certain body weight, but I think like in the long run, you're going to be just impeding on your progress and kind of, it can be very mentally um, detrimental to some people and, and especially people who are very body conscious. I am, I know there are a lot of people who are, and it can be like, it can have a pretty big impact on your mentality. Um, aside from the obvious fact that it makes you feel worse, I assume I've never done it. I can't speak from experience. Um, do you find a lot that you sort of slow in progress when you cut? Cause I've, I've heard some people say that they don't really notice it much. I, I didn't, slow in progress um but I definitely could have been progressing faster if that makes sense is that the same yeah, thing no, no, um, no, that makes sense um because I've already noticed um so I've been at a deficit since I started with Michael um and I've been progressing like crazy with Michael um but just in the last couple of weeks since my meet since I've been eating as much as I want to be eating, I've been making crazy progress, like lifts that like, just take bench. For example, I hit, um, a 70 kilo double, um, on Saturday and it moved like air. And I was like, what is going on? Because that was my opener at the meet and it was pretty hard. Um, so I think just eating has helped tremendously. Um, mm. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if it slowed my progress at all um, because Michael's a wizard, but um, it just it, I definitely could have been progressing faster. I wish I was eating through that because I don't know what kind of numbers I would have hit at my meat if I did just eat into it. So if you could go back, you would not cut. You would eat up. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people have that too. Like um, I ate too fast but i think there are some people you know because the average person is like 80 something kilos the average powerlifter mm -hmm. uh, i think a lot of people will wish that they ate up earlier um mm -hmm. so yeah and i think like there's a mental thing to it as well so like if you're going to go on a cut you know your progress might not be as like obviously the peak mm -hmm. the peak is you know the progress in the peak so you'll still make gains but like 
they know you kind of know oh my progress should like theoretically slow down because i'm in a deficit mm-hmm. right if mm-hmm. i was to go on a cut i would think like i'm gonna slow down and i think that like the placebo effect is like huge and especially in sports like this like you said you had to go out to the lobby and like get your shit together and that sort of thing um it's a massive it's already there's already a massive mental element to it when you start introducing stuff that is even more mentally draining you're just sort of taking step steps backwards at least um and and it just makes it harder for yourself um so you are eating back up now what is the next plan the next plan well there isn't really a solidified plan yet but i'd like to um compete in the fall sometime and compete as a 63 um just kind of slowly um fill out as a 63 um which i'm sure i'll have to do some you know cutting maintaining bulking phases um to do that um because i just don't want to eat myself sick into 63s and not fill it out um properly um so you know but now i'm thinking like 63s and i haven't weighed myself since the meet so i'm not sure where i stand right now but based on i don't know if you saw the poll i did about height and weight classes yeah and um now i'm like man do i belong like in the 69 kilo weight class like for my height like um so i don't know we'll see right now the plan is to fill out the 63s as properly as i can um and hopefully compete in the fall i don't know who it was it was either you or michael you uh said that you were too tall for to even be a 69 based on averages obviously yeah yeah so you would be a 74 like ideally or like eventually sort of thing you'd be heavier if yeah if the height really mattered yeah i would be more suited for the 76 weight class um which i can't even fathom right now but Mm. um Time will tell. I've only been lifting for what, like three years now. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, you know, a whole 10 kilos is a lot. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So I can understand the, the standoff standoffish attitude to moving yeah. up. I, I, I'm pretty scared to move up as well, just because obviously body composition and that sort of thing takes mm-hmm. a hit. Um, now with the off season, Michael told me, uh, there's a few things, interesting little things. So, um, <laughs> you're transitioning from heels to flats in the squat Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. um so during the meet well during kind of the end of prep and definitely at the meet we noticed that i was rocking back onto my feet um for the heavier loads um because my heels i mean i'm sure it would be the case with any heel but my heels are so high that I get pitched forward a little bit as I'm coming down. And then as I'm coming up out of the hole, my hips shoot back to kind of compensate for how forward I am. And that just ruins the squat for me. Um, And when it's that heavy, there's no recovering from that. Mm. Um, So we decided to try flats, which I was nervous about because I have horrible ankle mobility. Um, So we've been... (laughs) working on that and um it's been going well so far can um can you put your knees very far over your toes if you were to just like do like a lunge sort of action yeah i i think so better now than i could before we started working on it he has me doing um what are they called banded ankle distractions i think yeah, no, I, I know, I know what that. they are. I've had... Where my foot's up on a, like Bench. a, um, it's on a, I just stack some um, things yeah, and yeah. put my foot up and um, have the band around my ankle and then lean forward um, with my knee over my toes. And yeah. that's been getting better. So I, I used to do them as well before I gave up entirely because I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> um, I don't know what the band does as such because it, it goes around the front of your ankle, hey, and, and right. goes behind you. I don't actually yeah. know like anatomically what the band does because if you're pushing forward, it's not it's not in a spot where it can pull your leg back, right? It's right at the joint. Right, so right. So I, I don't know, <clears throat> pardon me, I don't know. I know that's how you do it correctly because my coach, he's yeah. a physio and he told me, I know it's right, but yeah. I never understood yeah. really why the band was there 
Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you either. I just kind of do what I'm told, and yeah. it's been working. So. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, um, yeah, I saw a physio for the exact same problem, and he said um, my Achilles had shortened. So I actually, it wasn't like a muscle issue or like a joint. It was the actual Achilles had shortened. And so he's like, it'll take you a year of heavy calf raises. And I was like, no, no way. I'm not doing that. I was like, I'm just going to buy heels and squat in heels. And and that's the wrong attitude to have. But like doing that stuff every day for a year, just for it to maybe get better. I was not in it. I was not gonna, I was like, no, just here, Nike, have my $250. I'll get your Romelios or whatever they're called um it was it was an easy it was an easy fix because in the heels like squatting so easy in the heels um and i love i love the heels but if i can't hit the top end weights that i want to be hitting it's not worth it so may as well you know i'm at a point right now being so new that like i can take a step back and you know work on things like that if that's going to make my top end better um to make me be able to hit that so it's worth it to me to um you know work on things that i don't want to do um so but i do the those banded ankle things i do um single leg calf raises um split squats goblet squats all before my tempo eights on mondays um but it's all for the mobility and the pre-exhaustion and it's great. So what is the idea behind the pre-exhaustion? Honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Michael just likes to torture me, I think. Um, but I, I know, I know the ankle stuff is probably for mobility. Um, but I just feel like so fatigued before the squats and, maybe it's to keep the weight lighter because I could probably handle a lot more weight, um, for the tempo squats if I didn't do all those things. And right now pushing weight, isn't really the goal. Um, especially when I'm getting used to flats. So maybe that's the case. How, how has flats been? Cause like, I hate it. I tried it a couple of times. How have you been finding it? It was really awkward at first. Um, and it still is a little bit awkward as I'm warming up. Like I can't hit depth very well with the bar. Um, I have to add weight before I can hit depth. And um, I can like feel my feet moving around and like my ankles lifting a touch. And I don't really like that, but um, it's gotten a lot better. And I feel like my squats feel more like squats and they're feeling strong and more comfortable and um, you know, my knees are tracking nicely and it's going well now. Um, yeah. Honestly, I'm envious. I wish I could swap over. Um, one <laughs> yeah. of the things I forgot to ask you when we we're talking about your meat was that you were told you could not uh, unrack the bench without <laughs> your butt down. So what was yeah. the go there? Cause I would have just pulled out on the spot. We learned that. <laughs> you know that's, yeah that's, so that's in the rules right you can unrack with your butt up and then you was that i think it's a brand new rule <sighs> um and the i don't know if he was even technically refing the meat or if he was just there um but this one we'll call him a ref was doing the rules meeting and he was very adamant about not doing that and of course i like raised my hand and i was like can you clarify like what's the deal with that and um so he was looking out for me or i thought he would be and i just you know we looked it up in the rules and it was there and michael was like chatting with him about it um and just telling him that it was a stupid rule basically um and he just wasn't really giving into that so i was like i'm not gonna risk it um I'd been giving myself self handoffs for the majority of prep. So it wasn't a huge deal. It would have been nice to get handoffs. Um, I think that could be part of the reason bench was, you know, as hard as it was on meet day. Um, but I was like, I'm not going to let this one guy <laughs> take a lift from me because of a stupid rule. Mm. Um, but I had never heard that before that meet. Um, so it had to have been brand new and, I don't know. It's a stupid rule. <laughs> have, you, have you heard it since? Cause I've never heard it. 
No. And, and even there was one other ref that was younger. He said he was like a national ref or something. And he was like, no, one's going to call you on that or enforce that. So like, you can do it. And I was like, mm, like, I'm not, I'm not going to risk it. So, but I'm, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see like when, um, you know, Ron Nats comes up in June, right. June. If anyone lifts off like that, um, Cause I'll be sad if, that's, if yeah, that was that's, only at my meet. That's interesting. Cause I've never heard of it. And like, we have, yeah. some, we have some IPF federations here and everybody that I know unracks with their mm-hmm. butt up. I think, I don't know exactly what it does for me, but like you can just get sort of your shoulders and back into a better position. Mm-hmm. If you can have your yeah. butt up and sort of drive, mm-hmm. be driving like almost down the bench into your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'd be way out of position. Yeah. Because I can't, if, if you were to lift off with your butt down, you're not getting the full advantage of your arch, right? Yeah. I would assume. I mean, I like, and I'd have to have my rack height different. Like it would just, it would not be a good time if I had to unrack with my butt down. If you relied heavily on thoracic mobility and you had to unrack with your bum down, I'd imagine it would throw you off completely. Like I, 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 I don't do it. I've tried it, but like, I'm a lot more, like I'm a lot flatter and my shoulders are further forward and that sort of thing with the butt down. That's such a weird thing to not, like if if you shouldn't when you go to a meet especially you know like in a well-organized federation you shouldn't have people disagreeing with each other on the judges like the organization shouldn't be contradicting each other um right was it a local meet or was it a state you know what yeah it was a local meet well regardless of that like it's the same it's the the usapl right Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like they should all be agreeing with each other that's such a weird thing um to to spring on you so did you sort of did it it affect you much like I mean I think it definitely would have made things easier if I could get a handoff but on the other side I don't think the person that was giving the handoffs was doing a super job so it may it may have been a blessing in disguise um because I'm pretty particular about how I like my handoffs um but and then that wasn't something that I was going to try to change like I wasn't going to try to have my butt down to get the handoff like it was easier for me to just do myself handoff and um hope for the best um so I'm not sure it made that big of a difference but there's so would have been nice there's so many things that like you got to think about on meet day there's that's just extra stuff that you don't you don't yeah. want to be have distract you um right. Yeah. So overall, like you're pretty happy with the meat, like, you know, and just move forward and, and take, yeah. Take the the only other thing, the only other thing was my third deadlift, (laughs) um, where I got two red lights for downward motion. I would assume, um, that one stung really bad. Um, cause that was a all time PR gym or meat. And I, got too excited and just just goofed it and got the red lights for it um and that's something like if I didn't do that I, I would have had the lift and it was all my fault and I was like no this is what did you say for downward motion yeah I I got it up I locked it out and I threw my head back in excitement and it threw my balance off and my shoulders came forward a bit and two of the judges didn't didn't like that so Oh no! Yeah, there's. Um, <laughs> that was be, sad. It was really would... sad because I locked it out, yeah. and my I'm I'm really weak off the floor. So the fact that it flew off the floor, I was like, yes, yeah. I got the lift. Because if I can just get it off the floor, I know I'll lock it out. Yeah. And um, locked it out, and still got red lighted for that. So that's one of the. That I was a big bummer. One of the good things about sumo is like if it if it doesn't you know if it um comes off the floor it's and not always but like you usually if it comes to like almost your knees Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. with conventional it's such a weird thing like it could get to any part of the lift and you could just fail it's done yeah you get right to the top and just it just won't go any further and it's um i don't know which 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 would be better um so you you know had a great meet off season now um and you're doing all these things to improve, which is great. And, um, you know, Michael seems to be doing a great job. Um, I want to know because, like we spoke about before, um, powerlifting isn't 
that big within females. And, and you know, they do make up a little bit of the sport, but I want to see it grow more and I want to um, try to encourage um, more girls, whether it's doing more episodes with girls or, you know, whatever it is. How do you think we can, like, uh, sort of, you know, advertise to girls and help it grow more within females? That's a tough question. Yeah. Um, I, hmm, I think the, I think the community is really important. Um, whether that be on Instagram or at meets, um, you know, getting, like I brought a couple of my roommates and friends to one of my meets in Colorado and just getting them kind of exposed to the atmosphere um, and the community of people and, you know, how uplifting it is, is really important. And, you know, getting on Instagram um, <coughs> community for females is huge. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I really fell in love with the sport because all of the women um, are just so like loving and inspiring and uplifting and, um, you know, just getting females to immerse themselves in that community rather than the fitness, the general fitness community is important. Um, and understanding that there's so much more benefit to powerlifting and strength training than, um, you know, general fitness, um, you know, in terms of life gains and, um, all of that. So, yeah, I think just immersing themselves in the community any way they can is really important to get them into the sport. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like one of the things that potentially holds back general, like commercial gym goers, uh, females, um, is kind of floating between goals and not really having a specific... So let's say you obviously train specifically for strength, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there might be other females who sort of float between, I want to, you know, they use the word toned or whatever, and, mm-hmm. or I want to do, you know, lose weight or this and that. Mm-hmm. And obviously um, there's plenty of misinformation um, mm-hmm. and and which, you know, you can't stop. There's always going to be someone promoting some bullshit products, this or that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, fat burners and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons that they don't see this progress is one, they don't realize that this stuff sort of takes a lot longer than people on the internet like to say. So it'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the transformation. It's just Photoshop or it's lighting and, you know, mm-hmm. racing or whatever and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And they float and after a while because they've changed you know they haven't really stuck with one specific thing like progressive overload or being in a surplus or you know whatever it might be then they kind of get deterred from going because it's sort of you know they they go trying to go down too many paths instead of just focusing on one yeah and i think what has a lot to do with that is the level of commitment that you know, these goals require. Um, So, you know, you'll have someone get on a streak of going to the gym, eating right. And then it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go out this one weekend. And then, you know, they're hungover, ate like trash. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to go to the gym. And then, you know, they have to try for weeks to get back to that starting point. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I always thought, people judged me a bit for being so committed to powerlifting throughout college. Um, You know, where I wouldn't go out, I wouldn't do much besides go to class and go to the gym. And, you know, people are like, well, why, you know, why not? Like, come on, like, it's not that big of a deal. And I was like, but it is, you know, like if I don't get Mm. this amount of sleep or if I, you know, go out and have pizza and, you know, feel gross the next day, like it's not, that's not good for, you know, my goals. So I think people, you don't, you don't have to take it that seriously, but you need to have some level of commitment to what you want to be doing. Um, and I think that's hard for people to understand. Yeah. I think like, obviously they're just some people who won't take to strength training. They're just not for them. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do get the same thing where it's like, Oh, why don't you go out? Or my mum will say like, why don't you go out and, you know, go to this or that. And I'm like, well, I just Mm -hmm. don't, you know, I just don't want to go out and yeah. I don't want to. And I think, and I can imagine um, you would get judged probably more so as a girl because 
it's less popular. Like, you know, it's a pretty general thing that a guy would want to be strong. And it's pretty, like, standard. But I feel right. like it's not as common with girls. They just probably, you know, right. uh, they don't... It's not a, as common as a goal. So right. did you find that it was kind of, like, more so because you're a girl that people it could have been i mean i would assume like so say you're a guy talking to your guy friends like hey like you know i have a i want to hit a big bench single you know on monday and they're like all right yeah i get that you know but girls don't get that for the most part you know unless it's another power lifter um so yeah i guess because they aren't as you know, even if a guy is just going to the gym generally and they're not into powerlifting or like super into strength training, like they get it. Um, and I feel like girls, they're like, well, why, why is that so important to you? Um, so, and, you know, I try to explain, but I feel like I don't really need to explain. Um, that's just how I feel um, and what I want to be doing. So mm. I feel like if they were in the gym more and had Go and this is this is general this isn't everyone right um but um yeah i feel like if they had goals that they wanted to reach they would understand better yeah that sounds so mean is that mean no no no, not mean um <laughs> i was gonna say and and i don't i don't want to sound like an idiot but i can imagine going out and let's say three drinks for a girl or let's say proportionately five drinks for a guy three for a girl right if that's proportionately the same, I can imagine recovering from that, from not only uh, like feeling good, but like a body composition standpoint, is that something that is quite different? Like, I don't honestly know. Uh, Drinking for females. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think it makes a huge difference. Um, And that's a reason I never, you know, like that wasn't a thing for me in college. I just didn't care to, um, mostly because it affected performance. Um, but I've noticed a lot in females, like, you know, girls from high school and stuff where drinking became their hobby and it has a huge effect on body composition. Um, so yeah, it's just, I I don't think. I feel like guys can go and smash I don't, but like guys can go and smash beers and stuff and probably train on Monday and, yeah. and, and you know, maybe it affects an RPE to a little yeah. bit, but they're sort of like generally they're okay sort of thing. Yeah. It probably does yeah. take girls a lot longer too. And I know like where I'm from, like partying is quite a lot bigger within females. So mm-hmm. like a lot of the females that I know from school and that will party a lot more than the dudes that I know and even okay. with university. So um it's more of like like you said kind of like more of a priority or a hobby mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i don't know if it's the same because i know like with college there's like frat yeah shit like yeah that. my school in particular like that was the thing like if you're not going out on the weekends like you're a bum like what are you doing inside you know um and i was perfectly happy just sitting in my bed all weekend and like not worrying about it but i mean people like look at you funny if you don't you know, have plans for the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was, my friends make fun of me and like, will make jokes about how it's so hard to get me somewhere. But like, yeah. I just don't have the energy. Like not only mm-hmm. do I not want to drink or not want to stay out late, the energy that I use to go <laughs> and do that sort of thing, I've already used to train. Right. Exactly. I'm already, I'm already crashing hard after training. So it's like, right. even if I wanted to go and um, slow down my progress by going out, yeah. I don't have yeah. the energy to. Exactly. Um, and they sort the of, they make fun of me and whatever, but that's just like, they don't yeah. understand, they don't understand. It's the same thing right. with anything. Um, exactly. We, we got to wrap up soon, but I want to ask okay. you before we go, because I was, I had a look on your Instagram, you have a highlight about cookies. Now, yeah. is this something that you run? Because it looked like a, a, it looked like a business to me. Yeah. Um. So, so I, during quarantine, again, just, got on a quest of making like my perfect cookie because I'm obsessed with cookies. Like if I could have one food for the rest of my life, it would be cookies. And I was like, all right, like I want to make the perfect cookie and couldn't figure it out. And so my mom got me a book about the science of baking. And I was doing all kinds of research on how to 
like how different ingredients affect others and how to use them to do what you want with them. And um, finally found like the perfect recipe for a chocolate chip cookie. And then just built on that with other flavors. And I've been sharing them with people and they really liked them and was encouraged to start selling them. So I've been selling them and people have been loving them and they've been really supportive of me and I can't fund it as a full business yet. Um, I'm going to have to get a big kid job before I can do that, but I'd love to make that like my, my thing, my job um, eventually, but right now that's not really feasible. Do you have a Instagram for it that I can tag or is it just on yours? I don't yet. No, okay. no that's fine. I'm still um, stuck on a name. If anyone can think of a name for name it. Name for cookie brand. So this yeah. was your um, quarantine hobby. How long did it take yeah. you to make the perfect, quote unquote, perfect cookie? Oh, it took me, let's see. It took me months, months. Like I don't know exactly how daily, many. Daily, but... weekly baking. How often we do it? How often we talk? Uh, probably every couple of days. Far out. Yeah. For a month. Yeah. I, I, I'll, um, I'm very <laughs> picky. I'm very picky. I don't like, um, hard cookies i can only eat them soft otherwise i don't want it like warm soft yeah. cookies obviously yeah. being warm is not feasible with an online business yeah. but um, yeah are they soft these are for you then yeah they're soft yeah. cookies yeah no i don't yeah. know what they're it like is. they're like pretty much under baked yes almost part, like yeah. um we me and my mate used to go to the movies or whatever and actually eat cookie dough out of the the roll which i later found out was actually a way to get salmonella i think um yeah. So we got away with that, luckily. That's by cookie dough. That's yeah. how I want to go. Yeah. yeah, that's that sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. I will put something in the the post about um, the cookies and naming it. Thank you very much for coming on. I hope. Thank uh, you for having. No, of course. I hope if there's females yeah. uh, listening that you, um, you know, feel motivated and can learn from this sort of thing. I want to start doing it more because uh, I want to, you know, obviously want to see the sport grow, but more specifically within uh females and that sort of thing um and yeah i just hope that everyone enjoyed it and um let, let me know if because i've got ideas for guys but i don't often come across uh girls um that are like fully dedicated to the sport so if you know any or if you actually amanda if you know any personally i'd love you can yeah. uh, tell me after um but oh, yeah, yeah feel free to comment on youtube and instagram and that sort of thing uh thanks again amanda for coming on thank you and have a good day Thanks, you as well. See ya.